and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the embalmed Matt. Hello there. Um, so, uh, we are discussing uh, Mummy on the Orient Express this week, uh, which I'm, I, are, is a yeah. discussion I'm very much looking forward to. But um, I think, let's not beat around the bush, Matt. For the first time ever, I'm going to ask you a question that you've asked me on many occasions. What are you having for breakfast today? Son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a bowl of Ambrosia's finest custard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to use the the adjective plagued with fish fingers. <laughs> you never know. It might be nice. Yeah. So I have one. Money where my is, mouth is. Five yeah. fish fingers in a bowl of custard. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope you've I hope you've documented this for the listeners. Uh, there's a, a video already. I'll I'll put a little picture up now. But I, I've tried to learn from your mistakes. Right, okay. Um, I, I listened back to last week's episode, and your main issue seemed to be the texture of the drink. So what I've done, rather than the flavour being an issue, the texture being an issue, I've, mm. I've attempted to slightly overcook my fish fingers. That's my tactic mm. here. Crisp them up. In the hope that the crispy crunch... Will overcome the custard. Should mm. should I just have a little nibble now? I'd say go for it. Yeah, but uh, you better get them whilst they're nice and hot. Right. Hope everyone's listening. <laughs> First thought, that isn't yep. so bad. It tastes solely of custard. Mm. A real fishy aftertaste. <laughs> oh God. Um, so I'm um, just going to finish that fish finger off. Mm. You see, the thing is, I was half wondering in my head whether it might not be too bad, purely because a custard is not a million miles away from a bechamel sauce. No, and the thing is, vanilla custard and and the fish in a fish finger, they're non, non-offensive, they're not that strong a flavour. Yeah, absolutely. But, oh boy, you can taste the fish today. Mm, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's not the order in which you want those things to be happening, is it? You know, creamy sweet custard, and then a and then a fishy tang at the end. No, part of me, part of me is thinking, do I just do I just race through it and have custard for pudding? <laughs> but that's not that's not in the spirit of the no. Uh, no. Thing, is it? Um, oh, my mouth's all clammy and horrible. Oh yes, yeah. Um, right. M- meanwhile, so... I'm I'm just sat with a beautiful, delicate cup of Earl Grey beside me. Oh, mm. Having had a, having had a perfectly normal breakfast of some Marmite on toast. Jealous. Good times. I I was going to ask actually as well. I've got one other fish finger related thing. Sorry, before we before we crack on. Go on. Um. Where do you stand on fish fingers as a legitimate breakfast item? Have you ever had fish fingers for breakfast? Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe in my uni days, but not willingly. I, I, I consider fish fingers towards the bottom of that, whatever genre of food they land in. I would much rather have chicken nuggets or a nice. That's totally understandable. My mouth is so clammy. I'd much rather have, you know, some form of proper meat over fish. I'm not a big fish mm. eater. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as 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 a pescatarian, it's it's kind of it's the closest I get to meat. Um, but uh, yeah, I was actually raised in a household where fish fingers were an occasional breakfast item. Oh, really? Yeah, ge- genuinely. Sometimes my mum, for breakfast, if she was doing a cooked breakfast, she'd just whack a load of fish fingers under the grill. Would, and... would that be in place of sausages and bacon? And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, like I wasn't raised pescatarian. You know, she would sometimes do sausages um, or, or whatever else, but just fish fingers were, were were in that oeuvre not exclusively but that was that was like it was just considered a thing you can do with them and it was only a, really upon um becoming an adult and interacting with the world at large that i realized that that was quite unusual right I, i'm um, not gonna have another fish finger but i am just gonna have a little taste of custard go for it so nice on its own. Yeah, I, I I saw that you didn't you didn't skimp because unlike me with my with my cheapo beans, you you went all in. You know, ambrosia well, custard, bird's eye fish fingers. Yeah, yeah. Well, specifically, it I I didn't want breaded fish fingers. I wanted crispy batter fish fingers, so I got that texture. Now the only problem is because I made them nice and crispy. Now they've been sat in custard for all the five minutes. They've gone a bit soggy and grim so should we talk about doctor who at some point on our doctor who podcast i suppose we i'm amazed i'm amazed last week i I know that we've got into the habit of all our episodes use words that start with the same letter yes i genuinely thought last week you were just going to call it eggs and beans (laughs) (laughs) it would have been worth it to be to be fair though i was quite i was quite pleased with myself with last week's um title Mm. Um, mm. but, um, yeah, so, right then, Doctor Who, um, first things first, no Time Lord Victorious update this week, um, no. for two reasons, one, um, my copy of Doctor Who magazine has been delayed, it's finally arrived, it, but it arrived literally yesterday, I have not had a chance to, to, uh, dig into the last part of Monstrous Beauty yet, uh, the other thing is, uh, obviously, the third episode of Daleks came out, and I have not watched it yet. So, uh, sorry, the third episode of Daleks. That's better. Um, I I have watched the third episode of Daleks, and um, it it I don't like that show. <laughs> it, it's twenty minutes or fifteen mm. minutes of absolute nonsense. Yes, yeah. and then. Every episode ends exactly the same way. <laughs> Every episode ends with like, oh no, this is a trouble. And then the Daleks go, yeah, we've betrayed you. And then it just plays the theme music. Mm. Every week, it's just like, oh no, this is a nightmare. Yeah, we're in trouble. Theme music. To be fair, I do think, uh, what I remember reading um, an interview with James Goss, who, who who wrote it, and who was also kind of the chief architect of Time Lord Victorious as a whole. Right, well, he should be, he should be ashamed of himself. I, I, I saw that was coming. Um, but he was saying it was quite heavily inspired by the 1960s Dalek comic strip that featured in, in a, uh, I think it was TV comic? Or something like okay. that. You know, one of those sort of knockoff adventure comic things where they would like, you know, the, they pay for the, for the license for a few different popular 
TV brands. So I, I think there was probably mm-hmm. an Avengers, the British Avengers comic strip and stuff like that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and and they, they, they'd obviously forked out to Terry Nation for the right to do a Dalek strip, but it couldn't feature the the Doctor or anything else related to Doctor Who. Right, okay. So it was just the Daleks going around, you know, scheming and then being thwarted. Um, and so I think it was d- meant to evoke some of that flavour. Now, I think it would be more successful doing that if they had a completely different animation style, you know, something more akin to, say, like Archer or something like that, where it's a kind of a flat comic booky sort of yeah. style but um yeah I, I i'm still I'm, I'm sticking with it i will watch it it's just it's been kind oh, of I'm, I'm going to watch it oh it's but, it's um, been low on my priorities this week yeah I, i've been able to extract no joy from that tv oh, that's a shame that's a shame uh but also this week at time of yep. recording it was doctor who day it was yes did you do anything nice to celebrate? Not especially, I will be honest. Um, just because my, my my free time has been very limited at the moment. But I was I have been listening. Uh, I was listening that um, evening uh, as I was sort of uh, just wrapping up my day. Uh, I was listening to uh, some of a Sixth Doctor and Evelyn Smythe audio drama from uh, Big Finish. Uh, entitled Blood Tide, which I'm quite enjoying. It's um, it's a good mix. It's uh, a bit of a celebrity historical one, um, you, you know, where, where the Doctor meets a famous person, in this case, Charles Darwin, mm-hmm. uh, okay. in the Galapagos Islands. And, uh, but then also there's some uh, nonsense with Silurians. So it's it's yeah I'm enjoying it I really like the dynamic of uh, Sixth Doctor and Evening but but I didn't do anything more more uh, exciting than that I know some people like make a habit of watching the pilot episode or at least sorry the the the, the first broadcast episode not the unbroadcast pilot but like doing that at the exact state and time of its first broadcast mm-hmm. and stuff like that or people I'm sure will have been watching the fiftieth and all the rest of it but. Um, no, it was a quiet one for me this year. I, I spent it awaiting the results of a COVID test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that couldn't have been fun. Was it what you, uh, one you did at home? No, I had to go to a testing station. Mm. Yeah, um, it's yeah. not fun, is it? I've had to do it. In fact, I had to do it twice in succession because when I went, they were running a trial. Uh, and it was a, okay. and it was a trial on like home testing kits, and it was obvious that they weren't trialing the efficacy of the kit. What they were trialing was how easy is it for people to actually do? Can they follow basic instructions? Um, right. So I was like being quizzed afterwards, like you know, look at the results. Do you think it means this or this? And you know, um, so that was interesting. But basically, I I was at a drive-through place, and I just had to sit in in my car doing doing the one that I would actually be able to take the results from and another one that was just for internal data gathering. And, geez, swabbing your tonsils is one of the most unpleasant experiences you can put yourself through. Mm. That's it. It's hard to look dignified in front of a doctor when you're... I was making similar noises to you drinking a pint of Yeah, I was just thinking, which would I rather do again? I think Mm. I would rather swab my tonsils. Just because it's quicker. 
Yeah. But and there's some benefit to your health <laughs> rather than absolute detriment. <laughs> yeah, no, it was ruinous to my constitution. I did not recover for a good 24 hours. Um, what else have I written down that we need to talk about? Have you had fun this week? After last week's super fun oh. episode, have you had fun? What's the most fun thing you've done this week? Genuinely, it was watching uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. Bit of a spoiler for you oh, wow. about my feelings on this one. Um, yeah, I, it's been a, it, it's not been a great week for me outside of Doctor Who, to be honest. So uh, I, I, I've been most of my joy has been derived from that, and and finally receiving my copy of Doctor Who magazine this month which has been much delayed and much anticipated from me. Uh, what about you? You had any fun this week? Uh, took my car for its MOT. <laughs> That's been about it for me. Wow. Living on the edge, man. <laughs> do, you, do you want to hear an amazing story? And when I say amazing, it's not that amazing, but still pretty Okay. So, Is it brief? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go it, on It's not one of my long-winded stories. So I took my car for its MOT. Yeah. It passed. In total, right. it cost me £30. I just paid for the, the test fee. Uh-huh. My mother-in-law took her car for the MOT. Yeah. It cost her £1,400. What? Oh, no. She may as well have just bought a new car. <sighs> yeah. That is... That's rough. Yeah. Absolutely ran it into the floor. But mm. that leads into another story. This is... I say I haven't had fun this week. Okay. Uh, I went to my wife's family's farm yesterday. Yeah. And I don't know if I've uh, mentioned this before, but yeah. they have what's called an exotic animals license. Ooh. So they hold animals in quarantine. It's like a designated quarantine area where uh-huh. certain animals are imported into the country. Right. Uh, so it's not lions and tigers. You need what's called a dangerous animals license for that. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, they have... I don't know if you're familiar with tanukis. I am familiar with tanukis. Like Japanese raccoon dogs. Yes. Yeah, and that that's probably the most fun I've had this week. I've uh, never seen a real-life tanuki. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest, most of my most of my experience with tanukis comes through uh, various Nintendo franchises. Yeah, like... Namely Super Mario Brothers and Animal Crossing. Yeah, they're pretty heralded in, like, Japanese folklore, aren't they? They are, yes. Um, so what 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 are they like in real life, Tanuki? Uh, really lovely, really fun, yeah. but absolutely vicious and horrible. Mm. So I wasn't allowed in the cage with them because they do bite and scratch. But fair enough. At distance, they were lovely and fun. Oh, good. Um, all right then. So uh, quiz time. Uh, there is one final piece of news just before we okay. get to the quiz. Uh, right. So I, I've, I've sort of stayed off Twitter this week. With it being Doctor Who Day, I thought it's going to be pretty spoiler-heavy, isn't it? Potentially, yes. Uh, yeah, there has... Uh, oh, that's the other thing. that I didn't really want to mention it. There, there has finally been a teaser for this year's festive special because they've still not said whether it's coming on Christmas Day, New Year's Day, or any point in between. Um, but there they, 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 was quite a big tease... Um, something that I think a lot of fans were anticipating anyway, but it's been confirmed now. Um, I, and I would love for that not to be spoiled for you. I don't know whether you, you know what I'm alluding to or not, but I don't want you to go. I honestly don't. The, yeah. the news I was going to discuss is I saw a headline and I'm just going to check cause I did put it yeah. onto our Twitter. 
Uh, our Twitter's mainly just me documenting my trip to Morrison's yesterday. <laughs> um, I also went to B&Q. That was quite good. Um, good times. Well, I... Uh, where is it? Have you got a lot of loyalty for, for B&Q as a former employee? Yeah, like uh, I took some pictures, tweeted them, put a mm. message to my old co-workers. Um, I can't find... So you, you, ne- you, never, you never set foot in a Wix... No, home base. Home base was our enemy. That was our battleground. <laughs> but I think they've gone into administration, so... Fuck I believe them. so, yes, yeah. Um, but anyway, the headline was along the lines of Chris Chibnall has announced in the upcoming series yep. he's going to give a second chance to monsters that have only made a one-off appearance in the last... Well, since the launch of New Who. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. So um, instead of exciting. relying on, you know, Weeping Angels, Daleks, Cybermen, mm. he wants to revive like one-offs. Yeah. Now you but know I, what I'm, I'm You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Go on. It's time. It's time for the Reapers. <laughs> they they're coming back. They're coming back. And when they do, our friend Jake from Married to Who is going to apologise to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think who would be top of my list for that. Go on, if you um, had to, if you had to think of one. Mm. Are, are there any that had like really interesting lore but never came back? There are. I'm just, I'm just trying to think. It's hard to do it off the top of my head. If I had an episode list or something in front of me, I could probably have it. I'm trying to think RTD era because, you know, you're going back a bit there at this point. Um, Slothine you know, technically had three episodes, so... Yeah, I, I feel they're going to be the one. I think they're the one that probably. got the most play. And, mm. you know, I don't know whether it's just my perception, but the most affection... Even though their episodes were crap, I think right. that yeah, for for people who who came on board with uh, the Eccleston series, there is there is a certain uh, nostalgia factor to yeah. them. Um, yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm 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 well up for that though. Whatever whatever Chibnall decides to bring back, I think it is fun when when Doctor Who revisits monsters that maybe didn't get enough of an outing. I would. <sighs> I'd love a bit more Ood action as well. And I know they do pop in every now and then, but we haven't had an Ood-centric story in a very long time. I don't know. I feel they've been overplayed. You think? I think yeah. there's still more you can do with the Ood. I would love to see what, what Ood society is like after their liberation in Planet of the Ood. Like, we get glimpses of it towards the end of Tenant's Run, but I would really love to see... You know, maybe some other some other race coming in trying to conquer the Ood again, and and maybe seeing the Ood pushing back on that a bit more. I don't know. It, it, it'd be interesting. Anyway, see, uh, I, we... I didn't want to spoil it when we discussed Daleks, but as long as yeah. they don't bring back the mechanoids, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love the mechanoids to come they're, back. They're just I love a mechanoid. Dog shit versions of the Daleks, aren't they? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The, Speaking the, the, of the uh, charm, the charm of the mechanoids is the fact that they thought they were good. Right. <laughs> you know, they thought of, they were onto a winner on the scale of the Daleks. Speaking of dog shit versions of the Daleks, yes. I also saw that people are going absolutely mental when they've released the new design of the Dalek for the special, and everyone's like, yeah. "That's not a Dalek. It looks exactly like a Dalek." 
I've not actually seen that image. Like I say, I've I've been so busy with and stuff. I've I'm I'm way behind on a lot of right. Doctor Who I, news. I'll, I'll I'll describe it for you. Imagine uh-huh. imagine a Dalek. Yeah. It's black. Yeah. And at the bottom of its little round head bit, it's got like blue light up LED lights. That's cool. it. That's it. But everyone's going. It Sounds looks fine. nothing like a Dalek. It it's exactly what Daleks have always looked like. <laughs> I think there are certain people who, again, it's that generation who got really on board in the RCD era, who, for, for them, basic Dalek, like pure Dalek, is the RCD era bronze Daleks. But, you know, there are there's so much more to Daleks than just them. They just became a bit ubiquitous for a while. Right. Before we move into the quiz, do you mind if I just have another fish finger? Now go for it. Enjoy oh, they yourself. Are, they are flaccid. They've lost all <laughs> structural integrity. <laughs> they're going to start just... They're, they're going to be disintegrating by the time you finish. You're just going to have a, a bowl of f- fishy custard yeah, soup. Yeah, in, on the last one that was a bit stronger, I really doused it in custard and I can't with these. Oh, dear. Mm. Well, that was certainly something. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Uh, let's let's have some questions. Okay, so every week up until Christmas, we are doing the Wheelie Big Quiz. We are. Okay, so we're raising a little bit of money for the Teenage Cancer Trust every mm-hmm. week. My mouth is so clammy. Every week, I ask David six questions from Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. Each question is worth one pound. If David scores six out of six for the week. His total is raised to £10 for the week. Okay. So we have yep. had some donations this week. I'm just going to load those. So our initial target was £120. That was £10 a week. We absolutely yes. aced that. We raised our target to £240 per week. Mm-hmm. And now our current total stands at £247. Amazing. So we have, along the way released certain rewards for hitting certain fundraising goals, including me eating a bowl of custard and fish fingers. Mm -hmm. So, going back to last week, where you scored your highest, you got five out of six. Yeah. We then had a donation from Chris, one of our regular listeners, who says, anyone who downs a pint of beans for charity deserves a donation. Five pounds. Ah, oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> okay, and then I'm going to read this name out because it might make more sense to you than it does to me, David. We'll see. Moffat called Karen Gillan wee and dumpy, and I do not forgive him. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure because that, that's not a line from the show, is it? It must have been something no. he said in an interview or something. Yeah. Well, that's the donator's name, and their comment is: "I'd love to ask." Does Little Absorbaloff share the same taste in music as David? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to end up just rambling about music for ages now, but I'll try and uh, try and rein myself again. in. Um, I'm going to have some custard whilst you do. <laughs> okay, so but it's ninety percent Wiggles at the moment. I'm going to be oh, honest. So he does share your taste in music. <laughs> I'll be honest, I have gotten quite into them as, as a result. but uh, If you haven't heard yeah. David's version of Big Red Car, 
I can't remember the episode, but go back oh. and listen. It's beautiful. Mm. But, um, yeah, beyond that, I have tried him on some other stuff with, with, with mixed results. The other day, I did manage to... Uh, he did seem to quite enjoy watching the, the video for the new single from Transatlantic, or a progressive rock supergroup, um, very, very much in the sort of cheesy comfort prog mode they're not they're not really particularly challenging or exciting but they, they i enjoy what they do for what it is um and i thought i might be able to get him on board with that purely because the video is uh, basically 10 minutes of footage of a cgi rocket going through space and uh, if there's one thing that kid loves it's rockets and space so um yeah he was on board for that less on board when i showed him some live footage of them uh, it's just some some beardy bloke standing around noodling. Um, the only things that have caused him actual revulsion so far are Cardiacs and Frank Zappa. So, you know, stuff to work on there, certainly. Um, but as I say, he, he basically thinks all music is the Wiggles. Whenever we're listening to anything else, like sometimes we'll put some folk on or, or, or a little bit of sort of light jazz in the evening or something like that. And... Um, Whenever a track finishes, he just will turn to, to me and my partner and say, more wiggles, please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see at what point he realises that not all music is the wiggles. Yeah, probably when like he discovers BTS and K-pop. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to being completely baffled by his taste in music because I think that's that's the role of a parent, isn't it? When they re when when you when they hit their teens, you need to basically have no idea what what the appeal is of what they're listening to. Okay, should we move on to the final donation? I think we should. Yes. Okay, final donation, anonymous. Final time of asking, and I'm sort of glad it's the final time of asking. Yeah. Shag marry kill ten eleven twelve. I I had a feeling this was coming. Uh, have you got any immediate thoughts? Uh. So, immediately, I'm marrying Matt Smith. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, what's, your, what's your reasoning for that? Just like he's good fun, isn't he? Mm. Uh, Shag, David Tennant, because, oh, he's gorgeous, isn't he? Mm. And yeah. kill Capaldi, just because, like, he's a real, real sad sack, real grump. <laughs> you see, I think we've got, uh, we're almost inverse here. Have we got different taste in men? I think we do. I think we must. Yeah. Um, I've so I'm I'm marrying Capaldi. Why? Because It'd be horrible to you all the time. It would be an emotionally abusive relationship. I don't know that it would be because I think we would just be very happy sitting silently at opposite ends of the room in our comfortable armchairs reading a book. No, every night it would be. I, I was going to do a Scottish accent then, but I don't know <laughs> if I can. He'd be like, "Oh, David, put on the tea," and you'd go to put the tea on. And he'd be judging whatever you make, because he'd be like, <laughs> oh, I see you're cooking rice. And you, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I like rice. And he'd be like, oh, fine, fine, if that's your decision. And, <laughs> you know, and everything you do... would be a lot of passive-aggressive. Yeah, you'd uh, be second-guessing yeah. yourself. Yeah. And then one day you'd come home from work, you'd had a tough day, you'd just want to, like, kick your shoes off and relax... And there'd just be a faceless man, like, impaled on the weather vane of your house. And, and, and you'd never know how it got there. You'd be like, did you do that? And he'd be like, oh, it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that. And you'd just never know. 
You see, the thing is, I couldn't marry Matt Smith because I would find him too annoying. Really? Uh, yeah, too, too, too upbeat. I, you know, but uh, as someone who is quite, quite introverted. But whilst whilst I, I, you're in your like sad house with Capaldi, yeah, look out the window across the road, and I'd be like. What, what should we have for tea today, Matt Smith? And he'd be like, brilliant tea! Whatever you want, let's go mad! Let's have everything! And, <laughs> and we'd be having a whale of a time. Yeah. All right, then. Sounds exhausting. Um, so, who am I shagging? Is the big question here at this point. I'll be honest, I'm probably going Matt Smith. Really? I think I think Tennant's a bit bony for me. I mean, he is now, but even then, even you know, he's just no, he's too skinny. Oh really? Yeah, not my type. Right. Well, there you go. Um, so yeah, by by default, I'm kidding. Um, Tennant. Wow. There you go. Oh wow. Right. Have I got anything <sighs> okay. else written down? No, I don't oh. believe so. Okay. Let's, I, I was I really scraping time... the barrel for things to talk about this week. That's why I was like, went for a COVID test, got my MOT. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do know we don't have to pad out the first 45 minutes of the episode. We can just talk about Doctor It's my favourite bit. <laughs> All right, come on. Let's have some quiz questions then. Right. So, question one. This is from the topic Time Lords. Yep. What piece of Cyberman technology backfires and causes Jackson Lake to believe he is the Doctor? Oh, is it an info stamp? Correct. Hey. Info stamp. One pound. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't have got that, were it not for the fact that since joining Twitter, I've been following a lot of um, Doctor Who accounts, and there's one called Doctor Who info stamp, and it's just little factoids. Ah, might be fun um, to It's quite fun. Oh, don't follow it because they go right up to the present. Okay. So, okay. you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. will come a point when, when you, because I don't mind so much you being spoiled on classic stuff. So when we're caught up with um, the current era, I think uh, you can, you can go hog wild and right. go to whatever corners of the internet you, you so desire. Okay. Question two, companions. Yep. What was Ace's real first name? I do believe it was Dorothy. Correct. Two pounds for this week. Hey. Question three. Episodes and stories. How many people were saved by being stored on a hard drive in the episode Silence in the Library? Oh, do I have to be precise? Uh, it's an exact figure on the card. That's the answer. And there's no multiple choice. Uh, would you like a multiple choice? I can make some up. Oh no, it's no, it's fine. We'll go. Yeah, that's not in the spirit, is it? Let's just. Uh, it just seems that seems like a. V- you you would have to watch that episode a lot to have memorized that number. I would have thought. Um, I'm gonna say. Four thousand people. Do you know what? You were incredibly close. It's four thousand and twenty-two. Four thousand and twenty-two. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Still an opportunity to match your highest score. Okay. Next question is years and dates. Yeah. Oh, I've got a stumbling block. Yeah. With whom did the 11th Doctor visit California at Christmas 1952 alongside Abigail Pettigrew? 
That is Kazran, isn't it? I will give you that. It's Kazran Sardik. Yeah, I couldn't remember his surname, but it, it's yeah, it's the, the um the from uh, a Christmas Carol. Yeah, is it Michael Gambon? Yeah. 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 Though at that point, I think it's the younger guy playing him. Right, okay. It's when they're, 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 you've got that montage of all of the sort of various Christmas hijinks they got up to. Right. Um, but yeah. So, the next question does have some multiple choice answers. This is okay. from Monsters. What was the name of the Silurian warrior who deliberately poisoned Tony Mac to provoke his daughter into attacking her? Was it Alia? Oh. Oh, Restak. yes, we've got multiple choice, right? Okay, right, sorry, so, go on. Alea, Restak, Vastra, or Eldane? Okay, it's definitely not Vastra, um, because we know that is who she is. Though played by the same actress. Um, read the other three to me again, just one more time. Alea, Restak, or Eldane? Okay, Restak... Rings bells. I'm going to go Restak. I'm sorry, it's Alea. Alea, right. I think I think Restak must have been her sister. Okay. Because you know there's the two of them in that there is. episode, both both played by uh, Neve McIntosh. But anyway. Right. And I, I'm going to apologise if I pronounce this name incorrectly. Final question from Cast, Crew and Beyond. Yep. Bert Quark appeared. Oh, Bert Kuark, yeah. Kuark appeared yeah. in the fifth Doctor story, Four to Doomsday. He did, yes. But as which sidekick did he make his name? And the options oh. are. Tom... I don't need them. Go on. I don't need them. Kato. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Oh, you're kidding! Is it? Is it not about? Um, is it? Is it not? Uh, who he plays in the Pink Panther? I mean, the answer is Kato, but I'll thank you not to in- interrupt me when I'm reading oh, the multiple choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I just got excited because it was a thing I knew. <laughs> right. So four pounds this week. Because the thing is, because it's it seems to be that's the category where they always pull some random thing from what from, the person's uh, done outside of Doctor outside Who. of Doctor Who. So I get very excited if I actually know one, and uh, um, I grew up on the Pink Panther films. It was like one of the main things me and my dad bonded over. Mm-hmm. So I have watched those films, I mean, d- dozens, dozens of times. Um, so um, right. anyway, yes. Right. Um, so before we jump into the episode, I'm going to have another fish finger. Go for it. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to keep people entertained? You can talk about whatever you want for a few seconds. <sighs> I, I mean... Y- y- that that suggests that I have anything uh, of interest to, to 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 say outside of the realm of Doctor Who. I, to be honest, I'm just excited to talk about um, Mummy on the Orient Express. I'm a little bit nervous, to be honest, to uh, find out what Matt thinks about it because I think I've already tipped my hat a little bit. It's uh, it's an episode I have quite a lot of fondness for. So, um, are you? How are you getting on there, Matt? You... That that one was particularly fishy. Oh. I'm Good just going to wash it down with a bit of custard. Mm. Good lord. Oh. <laughs> right. Do you know? Um, did you know that uh, when they shot that scene in in the eleventh hour, that it wasn't real fish fingers? Well, my what I thought was, if I got them crispy enough, 
Yeah. It would just be like a McDonald's apple pie. I can see you thinking. Uh, but it's just foul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yes, so let's crack on. Mummy on the Orient Express. Okay, would you rank this? Good episode, bad episode, good episode with some bad bits, bad episode with some good bits. Um, for me, it is a good episode. I may even go so far as to say a great episode. Um, in fact, I have a little theory about it that I'll expound upon a little bit more in terms of where I rank it. Um, but I I'm very keen to find out how it struck you, Matt. I think I think the best thing I can say about this episode is, yeah. is I have watched Mummy on the Orient Express. I was present whilst it was on television. I have no oh reaction to this episode. Oh, that's so disappointing. It's a bit of, bit of a nothing. It's just pain by numbers. I've seen this episode ten times over. Well, you see, this kind of taps into what I was going to say. So, um, for me, Mummy on, on the Orient Express, it's not my favourite Doctor Who story, but I would say it is a perfect Doctor Who story. Mm -hmm. oh, in that's a that... big word to be thrown around. No, no. So let me explain. So it's to me, if you think about Doctor Who as being kind of a recipe, you know, a recipe that everyone can tinker with, you know, there, that you you're aiming for the same basic overall result, but some people might throw in a bit more of one particular spice or, um, you know, ingredient o over something else, but. Ultimately, you want a balance between various different flavours, those being, um, you know, drama, uh, horror, humour, whimsy, maybe a little bit of genre pastiche of some kind in there. Um, all these different elements that you want to be kind of balancing mm -hmm. with Doctor Who. And for me, this is a textbook example of just balancing all of those elements really well. It's got a couple of aspects that make it stand out and make it particularly unique. Um, a couple of creative choices. Um, but then there's an awful lot of it that is just kind of just doing what Doctor Who does well. Um, and it, it's just a great showing from, because this is a new writer as well, Jamie Matheson. This is his okay. first episode. Uh, though actually, technically, I believe... Um, much as it was the case with, um, I'm blanking on his name now, chap in series seven who wrote um, Hyde and uh, Rings of Akaten. Yeah. This was the second one he wrote, but it was the first one in broadcast order. Right. So he okay. wrote another episode, which we'll see later this series, and that was so well received by, by Moffat that he said, do you want to have a crack at another one? Uh, and so he gave him this. Right. Uh, now, interestingly, this is kind of riffing on... Do you remember? You, you won't remember. But uh, <laughs> at the end of uh, The Big Bang, the Series 5 yes, finale... Yes, yes. Oh, you, you're aware of this. Uh, did, did it come up in your brain or, or, or did you just uh, see it on uh, after the fact? Well, I, I think it was when we watched that episode. I think yeah. you really hung a hat on like, oh, there's a mummy on a train in space. Mm. And I, was, I think I was like, what a silly idea. But here we are. Yes. Um, so I, I think it was just a case that Moffat wrote it as a throwaway line and then at a later date we thought, you know, you know, 
that's good enough to, to for someone to have a crack at that. Mm. Um, and I'm glad he did because, as I say, I I really really enjoy this. But um, I think to to talk about it more, we're going to have to get into the into specifics. So uh, just just before we do, yeah, and I know I've been stopping you. Um, I just unlocked my phone there just to put the donation on for the wheelie big quiz. And I yeah. don't know if you knew, but today David Prowse has died. Oh no! Yeah, the original oh. actor that played Darth Vader. Yeah. So oh, James Earl Jones did the voice, didn't he? And David Prowse yeah, was did, the man yeah. in the suit. So yeah, passed yeah. away this morning. Ah, uh, well, R.I.P. David Prowse. Mm. Right. So, <clears throat> season eight, episode eight, the eleventh of October, two thousand fourteen. Mummy on the Orient Express. Yes, indeed. So, we open with a clock starting. 66 yep. seconds. Now, uh, you see, this already, this is one of the things I want to highlight that I think is one of the things that, that makes makes this episode distinct. And, um, you know, I like it when Doctor Who is just a little bit experimental. Mm-hmm. And and this is to me like you know it, it, the fact that straight away it's there you've got this ticking clock you just like it just Im- immediately makes you think what what's going on here mm, you know because this is not normal we don't normally have a countdown timer on Doctor Who you know so it's counting down and an old lady aboard the train sees a mummy and no yep. one else can see it so the yep. clock counts down to zero and the mummy kills her yeah. And at this Perfect point, cold open. At this point, we find out with the Orient Express in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just everything about that cold open is absolutely perfect, in my opinion, uh, because it's just it's it's as I say, a little bit experimental, uh, but still, you you know, you've got there's something very British about it. You got someone getting bumped off by a by a creepy monster. Um, and then, oh, hey, guys, don't forget, this is still a sci-fi show. It's in space. Um, and then, yeah, into the credits. I love it. I just think that's like Matheson. It's like for a new writer coming in, sometimes you get new writers and you're like, do they get Doctor Who? Do they really get it? Mm-hmm. And immediately within that first two minutes, you're like, oh, no, he gets it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the TARDIS lands. And the Doctor and Clara are in the baggage car. Yeah. Which is nice to see Clara back after last week. I was like, I wonder if we'll ever see Clara again. Literally the next episode she's back. Yeah. And the Doctor says that she's smiling though she's sad. And Clara replies by saying, well, this is a good choice to end things on. So Mm. they're having their final hurrah. Yeah, yeah. And that lends this episode a very melancholy tone, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um which I which again I think is really nicely counterbalanced by the by the whimsy and the humour at times. Um So it's been a few weeks since we last saw them. Yeah. And she says she thought she hated him, but she's reluctant to continue adventuring yeah. so she says i forgive you but i just can't do this anymore yeah which is you know it's it's a 
mature, reasoned, well thought out response. I think it's you know it's it's probably the right choice for Clara at this point. So the Doctor begins telling Clara about you know adventures he's had in the past when he was on the original uh, Orient Express and what have you. And yeah, they... he's just sort of re- reading off all the planets that they're looking at, and uh, mm. yeah. So a lady, Maisie, accuses the Doctor of lying. Mm. So she was with the old lady as she passed. Yeah. yeah. And she's escorted away. Yeah. And at this point, the captain of the train introduces himself. Yeah. And explains the mummy. But Clara wants to end the adventure. She's not interested in this mummy at all, but the doctor can't help himself. Yeah, because they're both they're both kind of like well, it's it's interesting because basically, the, the the you know the 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 train staff are trying to kind of sweep it under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Understandably, you don't want a lot of hysteria just because someone's died, um, and it they're both kind of, both the doctor and clara initially are kind of resisting that call to adventure mm. because they're like that's not what this was supposed to be it you know this was supposed to just be a fun trip out you know a final you know little yeah jaunt and uh, but obviously in 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 both their cases they they just you know it's it's kind of in their DNA at this point. So Clara calls Danny to sort yeah. of give him an update, and yeah. I think it's at this point Clara is wearing what looks like the most comfortable pair of pajamas I've ever seen. <laughs> now I'm a big pajama fan. I'm currently wearing yeah. pajamas. Uh, I I'd cut my arm off for a pair of pajamas like that. <laughs> they look so comfy. Yeah. So the Doctor goes to investigate and mm-hmm. finds the Excelsior Life Extender. Yes, yeah. Which was the, the seat that, that the lady had been sat in that was kind of just preserving her, mm. effectively. And at this point, he bumps into Frank Skinner. He does, yeah, just Frank Skinner's on board. Now, what, what are your thoughts on Frank Skinner? Ah... Uh... He's one of those comedians that I'm not... I don't go out of my way to, like, seek out his stuff, but I find he's really good value when he shows up in things. See, I, I, I'm I, not a fan. Are you not a fan at all? No, like, I, I, I just... I don't think he's that funny. I don't really like laddish humor no like like as to say I, I don't really enjoy his stand-up but when he's like turns up on a panel game or something he like he is undeniably very quick mm. um like he's got a very quick wit to him i i thought like i really i tell you what made me really warm to him a lot more was uh taskmaster he was on that first series yes, of taskmaster he was, yeah and he, i thought he was really good value on that um and I think he's he does a decent job in this episode. Um, I also don't and... like his Birmingham accent. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it all links okay. back. When when I first moved to university, I started mm-hmm. seeing a girl from around Birmingham. Right. And uh, she was the first girl to ever break up with me and broke my heart. Oh. And I oh. spent two days 
locked inside my uni bedroom listening to Maroon 5, so... I don't know if you've ever heard She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. It's a really sad song. And, no, no, um, I, 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 I've heard of Maroon 5. I, don't, if, I couldn't... If you're listening to this, Megan, you really hurt me. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm married now. I never needed you anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's, 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 he's decent in this. I, um, what, I think he's on record on as... What's accent? I have no strong feelings. I mean, I I I grew up in the Midlands, so you know I encountered yeah, but it a fair bit. You don't bit. have a a deep. You're not like all right, Matt. How's it going? No, no, you're not right. at all. Uh, I hate it's, it. Okay, hate it's let's be clear. It's not the most charming of the British regional accents. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's all right, isn't it? It's like I don't think it it. I, I bear no ill will of anyone on the basis of their, their accent. Um, I have a harder time with uh, Liverpudlians, to be honest. Uh, I'm not even going to do that accent. That's, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a dour accent. Did you know, there's <laughs> I can't remember the name of the psychologist, but yeah. in, in a study it was found, if you have a Birmingham accent, you're more likely to be found guilty than someone that doesn't have one in court. I could believe that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, anyway, um, Frank Skinner, the only other thing I wanted to mention up top is I'm pretty sure he he's like on record as being an actual like Doctor Who fan. Oh, really? And so I think this was a bit of a, just a treat for him, really, getting yeah, to do this. See, in the way that it often is, for especially the comedian guest stars, they all tend to be Doctor Who fans. See, when I put a message out on Twitter asking for like opinions on this episode, our listener yeah. Kimberly said that she thought Perkins would be like a good addition to the TARDIS team. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. Every I mean, week if he of, was just it's... like, All right, Doctor, the TARDIS is playing up. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna go with Gallifrey. Uh I, I, I mean it has obviously addressed later in the episode, but uh yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it more then. But yeah. uh, anyway, yeah. So we got our first encounter with Perkins, and I like, I like that it's a bit of a standoff yeah. between him and the Doctor, where they're both, as I say, playing their cards close to their chest. That they've both been investigating this, and because they're both investigating it, neither one can fully trust the other at this point. Yeah, but once they lower their guard, there's a, like a real kinship there, isn't there? Oh, definitely. Because well. At the end of the day, the Doctor, I think, makes easy friends with anyone who has a curious disposition. So, Clara also investigates and meets Maisie, who yeah. wishes to see the old lady's body. Now, she's yes. not investigating, is she? No, she she's just... just wants to say goodbye, really. Well, n- not necessarily even that, as it, as is touched upon a little bit later. Like, she didn't have exactly have a good relationship with her. Uh, but but yeah, but she needs some level of closure there, and it's very suspicious that they're not letting her see the body. Um, so yeah, we but we kind of got uh, and the interesting thing is, of course, that because of the way it was set up, almost farcically, the doctors snuck off to investigate. Clara snuck off to investigate, and neither one uh, they both think the other is is still you know tucked up in bed at this mm-hmm. point. So, whilst investigating, the Doctor meets a professor of alien mythology. 
Yes. Who tells him the myth of the foretold. Yes. Uh, so no matter how far you run, it follows you. And yep. the doctor begins a conversation and offers him a little jelly baby as a treat. Yes. Which was apparently uh, Capaldi's idea. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He, again, showing his fan credentials there. He's just like, can we do a jelly babies gag? Oh, well, speaking of little treats, I'm going to have another fish finger. See, I put a message out on our Twitter mm. whether the custard yeah. should be hot or cold. Yes. And like six people said cold, three said hot. Ooh. And that's an in- I wouldn't have predicted that. I, I think by having it cold, I think if it was hot, I think the fish fingers would be even weaker. Yeah. I think they'd be, like, horrible. I mean, mm. not that they're pleasant now. Yeah. I mean, they must be They must be starting to really lose structural integrity at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... But anyway, yeah, so it's a, it's a big info dump, but I actually really like that scene. I like the way Capaldi and uh, the the other guy, I don't have the cast list up in front of me, but um, I like the way they play off each other. And uh, the fact that, you know, the, the Doctor keeps needing him saying, like, um, what's the most interesting thing about The Foretold? And he reels off all the information, how like people will, will try and bargain for their lives. There, there's a, something you can say that will make it stop. Um, but that ultimately, he, 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 you know, the Doctor says, the most interesting thing about, about The Foretold is that you're here. Mm. You know. Uh, this, this episode does a really good job of laying out all the details you need to know, but not but not doing it in a way that draws attention to it necessarily. I think it's 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 one that really benefits from a rewatch actually, because mm-hmm. you can see how how intricate it is at times. Mm. Uh, but yes. Well, I won't be doing that. So <laughs> as this conversation's going on, the foretold, as it's now called, kills yep. one of the chefs on board. Yeah. Even when he locks himself into a walk-in freezer, it is Still. able to teleport behind him. Yeah. So the Doctor meets the Captain again. Yes. Uh, the Doctor pretends he is a mystery shopper. <laughs> yeah, because he just says, uh, um, uh, I'm your worst nightmare, hands over the psychic paper, and, and that's it, apparently, <laughs> for the Captain. Um so Perkins then gives the train, sorry, gives the doctor documents relating about the train. Mm. So it's clear that he is now supporting the doctor's research. Yeah. Uh, whilst this is going on, Clara just talks to Maisie for like 45 minutes because they're trapped. Uh, yeah. Maisie has used her shoe to break into the room so they can see the old lady. Yes. And at first they think that has damaged the door mechanism so they can't get out, but they're actually being held there, aren't they? Yes, by, by, by Gus, who we haven't met, talked about yet, but Gus is this disembodied AI um, running the train, basically. Yeah. Uh, did, you know, did you spot who was voicing Gus? No. It's John Sessions. Oh, really? Yeah, who passed away quite recently. Yeah, he um, So we've got not, not one but two kind of uh, British comedy icons in this episode. 
Yeah, it was only yeah. fairly recently he passed. Wasn't yeah, it? it was, it was, but but yeah, I think he he, he his before his voice performance as Gus is actually fantastic. It's a, just that perfect level of of cheery with the with just a, a soupçon of malevolence mm. under there. I think he pitches it absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Now, Gus Gus has got them trapped. Yeah. When the doctor goes to rescue them. There's only a bloody suppression field, so the sonic screwdriver uh, won't work. Ah, uh, those, those darn suppression fields, eh? Now that is convenient, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but again, also it makes perfect sense. You know, it's the you know Gus is is kind of controlling the whole, um, the whole shebang, and you know doesn't want other tech interfering with with his uh, his operation, basically. So we also haven't mentioned in the cabin with Clara and Maisie, there is a yeah. sarcophagus. Yes, there is a, which... an eerie uh, sarcophagus with like sort of red lights. Mm. Um, so, so it begins mm-hmm. to open. Yeah. At this point, and as soon as it does, the lights flicker. That is the sort of trigger signal that the mummy is coming. Yeah, lights flicker, and then, boom, you've got the countdown on the screen again. So the captain works out that the Doctor is not a mystery shopper, and this time Mm -hmm. it's a trained porter that is killed. Yes. So the captain frees the Doctor, and they form a little mummy hunting team. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got the, he's got the, the, um, the mythology expert with him as well, and yeah, they're, they're like a little because gang at this point. The Doctor addresses everyone on board. Yeah. And he realises it's no coincidence that these people are on board. Yes. And the, the passengers are a perfect team for hunting this mummy. Yeah. So the engine stops and the hard light holograms fade away. And yeah. the carriage there is additional pa- is actually uh, the- like a lab, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Really good little twist, don't you think? It was okay. I, it's, I, th- I, I think this is such a creative episode. When you think that this is this is obviously a budget saving episode, mm-hmm. you know, it's set almost entirely on one set, but you know they managed to redress it and 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 keep it fresh and interesting. It's also very cleverly, it's a companion light episode. Yeah, because Clara's only ever in like two rooms. Yeah, yeah, she I think she shot it all on one day or maybe two days, but basically it was an opportunity, you know, it, it they needed an episode that where she wasn't really the main focus and that she was quite contained in what she did. Um but you don't on first watch, I don't think you really pick up on that just how how little she's in it given that that her her emotional state is also one of the key you know, her emotional journey is actually one of the key aspects of the story. I yeah. think it's, it's very yeah. if you strip well away integrated. The whole mummy plot. It is yeah. about her deciding whether to continue or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 and, and I, I really like the scenes that she does have with, with Maisie and, you know, where they're talking about, you know, her guilt uh, over wish you know kind of imagining and wishing her, her her horrible grandmother dead but then immediately feeling guilty when it when it actually happens mm-hmm. uh, you know 
for for a, for us like mine is supporting character i think Maisie's a really interesting and relatable and, and and very tragic kind of uh character in this uh, i i mean generally i would say one of the things that i pra- will praise this episode for is the fact that it does agatha christie tropes way better than the really on the nose attempt at doing an agatha christie episode which was the unicorn and the wasp yeah like for all of the fact that like on paper unicorn and the wasp is more agatha christie to the point of actually having agatha christie yeah, in it yeah, exactly. this to me has more of the spirit of agatha christie in it despite also having a load of other crazy sci-fi nonsense on top um so yeah, and like a character like Maisie to me is pure Agatha Christie. Mm. Um. Anyway, yes. So, where were we? As we the lab has been revealed. Yeah. So Gus tells them they need to work to capture the foretold. Yes. Once he does that, the lights flash. Yeah, and it, it, you can miss it, but what he says is they they want to capture it, study it, and reverse engineer its abilities. So they do, we don't know who is bankrolling Gus, what's behind Gus, but obviously the motivation for them is potentially... Weaponising. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. just like Jurassic World and dinosaurs or Resident Evil and zombies. There's always yeah. some corporation, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. Right, so um, the lights flash and the expert on mythology sees the mummy. Yes. So the doctor yeah. orders him to tell the doctor exactly what it looks like so he can learn as much as possible. He appreciates he's going to have to sacrifice yeah. this bloke. Uh, so I love this scene. I think this is one of the this is when I think about this episode this is the scene I think of, I think really. Um the way that I really should have brought the cast up, up so I could I could name check him, but the guy who plays the mythology expert, the 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 way he fluctuates between being the scientist and, and and wanting to provide the valuable data, but then also having that very basic human instinct of just not wanting to die. Um, I think he plays it so well. Like he's 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 polite and yet flustered and and angry and frustrated and sad and and then when it gets closer and close, you know, the hands getting closer and closer towards his face, and he just says, "Oh, son, it's on it," and just starts trying to bargain with it, you know, offering it all his worldly goods and his soul and you know anything, uh, all in vain. I think it's 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 this this kind of darkly comic very beautifully observed perfectly acted little moment um see i i I take on board what you're saying there yeah but have you ever considered doctor who is a little bit like robin hood (laughs) (laughs) yes i suppose so yes yeah uh because like you know robin hood also i'm sure would have let um would have basically sacrificed his comrades in the name of gathering valuable data yeah. on an ancient, yeah. uh, on an ancient then, unknowable creature. Yeah. Then a question I've got just at this point. Yeah. Because is this the point where we see the mummy phase through the doctor? Uh, I think that happens. Enough? I think that's the next time. Oh well, I can still ask this. But, so yeah. Just a quick yeah, go question. On. Is the moon an egg? <laughs> Who knows, Matt? Who right. knows? So, yeah, so 
the mummy kills this expert and the train yeah. gathers data. Yeah. So Clara calls the doctor and says that the sarcophagus is actually a holding cell. There are reports of past ships being affected. So yes. they are not the first to have been sacrificed in order to study the yeah. foretold. Yeah, we're basically getting another big info dump here, but... Uh... Yeah, we, we can see that, that whatever Gus is or represents is quite ruthless and has been doing this for some time. Yeah, well, we he proves how ruthless he is because to punish the Doctor for making a phone call, he decompresses the kitchen and kills the entire kitchen staff. Yeah, that's a horrible moment, isn't it? Mm. The way you just sort of see them just drifting past the window. Right, well, whilst we're discussing horrible moments, I'm going to have the yeah. final fish finger... Oh, oh, good it, luck. It, it slid down the bowl. It's a slimy, oh. slimy bugger, this one. Uh, enjoy. It's so fishy. Yeah. And has the fish flavour sort of infused into the custard at this point, do you think? I hope not, because I've still got about half a bowl of custard to eat. <laughs> well, we can establish that in a moment, can't we, though? No, I think it's okay. Wow. I think the egginess of the custard and the fish and oil of the fish fingers, yeah. the best I could do is describe the... Oh, that is horrible. Describe <laughs> the flavour as like egg foo young from the Chinese. Mm. It tastes like a savoury egg dish. Mm. That's, yeah, that's that's not pleasant. That, mm. that, I, I, I don't know, because in my head, I'm just thinking it's it's just sort of like a... a, like a, a would be always be like a sort of weird, un slightly unpleasant fish pie. But I'm guessing it doesn't quite have that quality. I guess the custard's a little bit thicker than the average fish pie sauce, isn't it? Yeah. To answer your initial question, yes, the fish has contaminated the custard. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. Well, well done. It's all right. Uh... I think I've got some, like, Corsadil mouthwash I'm going to drink after this episode. <laughs> right. So, the Doctor wants to know how the foretold chooses who to kill. Yeah. And the Captain deduces that all the victims were ill, so it's hunting the weakest. Yes, yeah. And, and not just um, not just physically weakest. No, because the Captain emotional. divulges he has PTSD yeah. from a war, yeah. and he's probably next. Yeah. And, and again... A great one of the things that Doctor Who uh, that makes a Doctor Who episode successful for me is when the supporting characters have are given just enough to feel like real people. And again, the captain of the of of the train, it would have been so easy to make him a one dimensional job's worth, which up until that point is kind of what he'd been. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you get the sort of turning point when he sort of turns to the Doctor and says. Uh, by the way, it's three. Uh, and the doctor says, what? Well, it's like three. That's the number of deaths it takes for me to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. So, um, But then when he gets that moment and just kind of reveals the the inner frailty, and, I, and it's not much, but it's enough for you to feel like you have such more of a handle on who this person is. And then it makes his death mean something in a way that it might not have if he was just the snotty Jobsworth captain who who didn't take it seriously soon enough. Yes, yeah. Um, 
so again, I, I, I mean, my, to, to me, I, I will, I will not stop singing the praises of Jamie Matheson in this for a, for a debut Doctor Who script. Mm-hmm. I think he knocks it out of the park. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> I, I will, I will be honest. I, th- I don't think I'm. I think I'm pretty much in line with Fando on this one. This is generally a well-regarded episode. So you might get a few people disappointed in you for not for not enjoying it. Well, more. but but you you know you're being honest. You're you know you can't you can't deny your 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 genuine responses. So when I said that we were watching this, I put it out on Twitter, and yeah. Frank, our listeners, says very good episode. Yeah. Not much special about it, but a shining example of Doctor Who at its most fun. Yep, yeah, I would agree with that. And. Chris says this is, in his opinion, genuinely one of the best episodes of all time. Yeah. He's clearly see, never I... seen The Twin Dilemma. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I would have a hard time. I wouldn't. don't know that I would... Would it make my top ten? I don't know that it would. But like I say, if I just want some textbook Doctor Who, I think you'd be hard-pressed to come up with a better option than this. See, I don't think I ever want just textbook Doctor Who. I want to be impressed. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's there will be opportunities for that later in this series. Right. But um, yeah, this is this definitely much is this is like comfort Doctor Who. Right. For me, anyway. Okay, so the lights begin to flicker. Yeah. And the captain, we've got the countdown begins shooting at the mummy, and it's at this point it passes through the Doctor. Yes, yeah. So More valuable data. It hints and... Sorry, it hints. It hunts and kills the captain. Yeah. So the Doctor wants to know why only 66 seconds. Yeah, it's very specific. Yeah, but it turns out there's ancient technology that depletes energy from the living... Uh-huh. And it only works when the victims are taken out of phase to drain them. Mm. So 66 seconds is the time taken for this to all happen. Yes. And sadly, the Doctor works out that Maisie is next. Her grief is her sickness. Yeah. And Clara then lies and says the Doctor can save her. Yeah, kind of. Clara is really uncomfortable with this, but the Doctor is you know, really puts a lot of pressure on her to say whatever she needs to say to get get her into the, the lab. So this is where we get a sort of big twist towards the mm. end of the episode. So Clara wants to put Maisie on the TARDIS so she'll be safe. Yeah. The TARDIS is also in a false field. Yes. And because of that, Clara works out that Gus must know who the Doctor is. If, if he knows... The abilities of the TARDIS, he must know the abilities of the Doctor. Yeah, absolutely. And the Doctor says, well, I've been asked to come here before. Yeah. <laughs> so Clara's absolutely raging again. because it's, uh, it's astonishing to me that she doesn't just deck him yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Can you imagine? You know, <laughs> he pitched this to her as like, Ah, oh, just a fun little jaunt. Last hurrah. We'll see some beautiful planets. We'll eat some nice food and have some entertainment. And it's like... <laughs> yeah. 
It just omits yeah, to tell her about the imminent danger. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and it's completely like uh, in keeping with with um, with this Doctor. Who I think, I think one of the things that you can say about the Twelfth Doctor is he often lets curiosity get the better of him. Yeah. I think his curiosity can sometimes cloud his judgment. Yeah, well, look at the episode, uh, Listen. Yeah. You know, that was a whole episode of his curiosity and it ended up just being absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, the Doctor works out Maisie is going to be next because her grief is her sickness. Yep. And so... Clara's absolutely fuming, and Maisie sees the mummy. Yes. So, the Doctor then absorbs all of Maisie's grief, so yeah. he can see it. Yeah, he just kind of like, just drains all of that, that emotional state, and he's got this just device, who cares what it is, some science fiction thing, and kind of just like, bangs it into his own brain. Yeah. And that transfers and resets the clock, and so the mummy starts pursuing him. So, he notices that the mummy has markings under its rags. Yeah. And like... we, get, we also get the uh, the little cheeky nod to the uh, the empty child. Did you catch that yeah, one? Yeah, you, my mm. mummy. Yeah. They just, they can't resist it. Because you remember Tennant did it as well. Yeah. In the Sontaran two-parter. I think it's the, good, because uh, then we get a nod back to, like, oh, do you remember when Doctor Who was good? <laughs> like a little hark back to the good old days. Yeah. So, likewise, we see up on the wall there's like a big banner, isn't there? Yes. But it's not yeah, a that was like the ancient scroll that is apparently, you know, that's what the mummy is tied to in some way. So the doctor works out that the markings under its rags are a uniform and yeah. the scroll is a flag because yes. the mummy is a soldier. Yeah. So, in order to best it, the doctor simply surrenders. Mm hmm. And doing so causes the mummy to salute and the clock to stop. Yeah. So the, so the legend was correct. There was yep. something you could say, but it, it wasn't promising it. It wasn't um, doing anything. It, it, it was simply surrendering. It's giving it permission to end the fight. Hmm. I think there's something rather beautiful about that as a resolution. It's... It's a very good Doctor Who kind of resolution. It's 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 yeah. it's non-violent and it's and it's. Um... It goes back to what you said last week about yeah. like putting forward the idea of compassion over violence. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so it, it, and again another another mark in the column of this being just textbook Doctor Who for me. Um, so, Gus then decides. Having destroyed the mummy, the survivors aren't necessary, so he's going to decompress the entire train. Yeah, got, 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 got the data he needs. Doesn't want anyone to be gabbing about it to anyone else. So the uh, Doctor then uses the mummy's teleporter yeah. to save everyone. Yeah. So Clara wakes up on a beach and asks... I love this scene. I like the bit where she says, did you save everyone? And the Doctor goes, no. ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, uh, Capaldi is great in this. The way he's like, he's not making eye contact. He's just like idly doodling in the sand with a, with a stick. Um, yeah, all of Capaldi. Uh, do you not think Capaldi's performance choices are just so interesting? He he is good. Like, 
I know people it's, have it, like warned me how good he is, yeah. but he, at times he is stand out. I'll yeah. tell you what, actually, this week, whilst I was at home awaiting the results of my COVID test, I started to watch The Thick of It. Yeah. Because uh, I'd, I'd never seen it, and it just oh, came up so on good. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I think I need to invest more into it. Like I've only watched the first two or three episodes. Uh, series two is where it really gets cooking. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. You know, it's like a usual sitcom opener that I've seen so yeah. far. If that makes yeah. sense. So we're up on the up on the beach. So yes. Gus blew yeah. the train up when the doctor tried to hack it to find yeah. out who Gus is. Yes. Uh, so I get the that's an interesting that... dangling thread, isn't it? Yeah. Moving forward, we need to know who Gus is. Yeah. I think he might be Robin Hood. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. So the doctor says sometimes the only choice is a bad choice, uh, and he made it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I again. I. I like it when Doctor Who just drops a little bit of philosophy into into proceedings and again that's one that i kind of carry with me i it's actually been kind of it's been in my brain a lot through this month i've i've alluded to i think on, on podcasts that I've, I've i've been having a challenging month uh work wise not you know not to do with any one particular people or anything it's just uh the nature of the job and, and uh various surrounding aspects of it it's been really really challenging for me i've i've um it's been kind of an all-consuming things at times, and and there were moments when I was just sat thinking. Sometimes their own choices are bad choices, but you still have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's it, it's strong stuff that I think, and uh, yeah, we get a little coda with Perkins, don't we? Yeah. So the Doctor offers Perkins the chance to mend the TARDIS, come aboard, be his engineer, yeah. but he says no. Yeah. So Clara then asks the Doctor if he enjoys making impossible choices. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't give a much of a response. Yeah. So, I, I think, again, Jennica Coleman's performance in this scene is really good. Like, the way she's kind of, like, dancing around what she wants to say. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Danny calls Clara and she says... Well, I'll see you soon. And Mm -hmm. basically that means I'll see you soon for Danny, but Clara could be doing all sorts in the in-between because the episode ends, she's over a little wobble, and she and the Doctor fire the lever together to launch the TARDIS. And she straight up lies to the Doctor as well, you know, saying, Mm. oh, yeah, Danny's fine with it. Danny Danny isn't fine with it, (laughs) you know? And... I I I could be reading it wrong. I kind of feel like the way the doctor reacts, I think possibly he heard their conversation. Mm. I don't think he truly believes. I, I think he knows that Clara is lying to him in that moment. But because she's making the choice he wants her to make, you know, he right. doesn't want to lose his friend. He wants to keep bouncing around the universe. But so, but Clara keeps lying to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> she's the real bad yeah. guy here. She's not. not she's Gus, not. She's not, not a the saint. Christian god that's hiding in the background. It's <laughs> bloody holier than thou, Clara, who's hanging yeah. about 
lying to everyone. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like she she even asks him like, you know, is it an addiction? And the doctor says, well, to find that out, you, you'd have to try giving it up. Yes. And yeah. and she says, oh, and you've you've never tried to give it up. So, um, yeah. So so you can almost think of it in terms of of addiction and, and like. In that in that sense, is is uh, is the doctor more or less Clara's enabler? Yeah, you know, it's it's a fascinating relationship, but at this point, it's pretty clear it's not an entirely healthy one. Um, I mean, it, it's what we've kind of said all the way throughout this series. Clara yeah. has become interesting now; she's got something to do, and she's a bit yeah. more three dimensional. Absolutely. You know, when she was simply yeah. the impo- not was she the impossible girl? She yeah. was the impossible girl. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, who cares? Yeah. But now she's like an actual person. Yeah, yeah, and there's like there's so much going on under the surface, mm. and and again, Jenna Coleman I think just plays it fantastically throughout. So, so yeah, um, interesting stuff. Um, and who knows where, where it's going to lead us? We're kind of we're kind of moving into the the latter part of the series at this point. Mm, um, and we still have no idea what's going on. Indeed. And uh, next week we will be discussing a little episode called Flatline. 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 That isn't that a film with Kevin Bacon and Kiefer Sutherland. I believe so. Um, or is that not... F- is it Flatliners? That's Flatliners. Shall we yeah. just watch that instead? It's pretty good. Nah. Right, I'm just going to finish my custard. Oh, yes. Yeah, if you've got a little bit left. So, Flatline. That's going to be about yeah. life and death. Are we going to see Missy for once? Oh, maybe. I hope so. Like, when was the last time we saw that? It was the one in the school, wasn't it? The policeman. I think so. I don't think we've seen uh, anything over there since, have we? Right. Yeah. That is me putting so, down an empty bowl. Oh, congratulations, Matt. Never who again. do you think? Who do you think's had the worst experience? Would you rather do that again or pint of beans? I don't know, because, like, I, I, I know what I'd be getting with beans, but <laughs> it'd be unpleasant. But you'd, you'd be. I, the thing with with the beans was, you 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 know what you're getting, but you're experiencing it in entirely the wrong yeah, way. That's it. It's like you know, my favourite food's pizza, but I want one one shoved up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, you, you had a nice food. Cust- you had a nice yeah. food eaten the wrong way, whereas I had the yeah. wrong food eaten a nice way. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe next year when we do Wheelie Big Quiz Part Two, we could do the opposites, and I'll do the beans. No, actually, I'm not. I'm not drinking a pint of beans. I'm a buffer. <laughs> what sort of feral wildman would do that? <laughs> Someone with a background in performance arts who have uh... some decency, man. <laughs> like I say, I've do- I've done I've done far stranger things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I wish I never um, gave the example of shoving a pizza up your ass before you said that. Uh, I may have jotted that one down. Yeah. That'll be <laughs> next year. 
<laughs> Something to look forward to, listeners. Or, or not. Have we lost listeners during this? Do you know what? Thing? Amazingly, our numbers are going up. Are they? Yeah. That's... That's... I mean, do, who does that reflect worse on? Us or the listeners? <laughs> I don't know. It could be like... Oh, what... I can't remember the guy's name now. What What's the bloke that had, like, the Tales of the Bizarre? And, oh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, I, right, yeah. I think people tune in just for that sort of sick uh, pleasure. Maybe, maybe. Anywho, um, so do join, join us next week uh, when we will be discussing Flatline. Until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. 